0: Well, um, we have a special treat today. We have Pat Crowder and Mindy. And I made a bet that I don't think you could s- stay in your seat through the whole message. But we'll see. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> but Pat is the area pastor for all of the Foursquare pastors in the Southern California district. He's a man that I can call upon and Mindy when I need help. And, Sometimes such tough situations, I go to him, and he, he just kind of, we pray about it, we think about it, and he gives me the answer. I go, oh, yeah, that's the answer. Praise the Lord. So let's welcome Pat and Mindy Crowder.
1: <laughs> Dust. Okay, there we go. Uh, it's, you hardly know what kind of blessings the Lord may have. I remember uh, a number of years ago, I was pastoring a church that I planted in Virginia Beach, and I got this idea that we should create some personal testimony tracks to give out to the community. So a number of us, we did a little class and uh, we, we helped people write their testimony of how the Lord had, had brought them to Christ and uh, we created these little tracks and so then the idea was for a year we were just gonna see how many we could give away. And so we printed them and uh, they folded down and they told about the church and they, and so uh, I, as a pastor I was trying to model also doing that so I remember, uh, one day I was going to buy fertilizer for my house, and uh, the guy you know, I was getting ready to pay and and you know I was, uh, kind of interact with him. And I go, oh, by the way, I said, um, uh, here's a here's a little story of, uh, of of something special that happened in my life. Uh, feel free to j- look at it or just toss it if you're not interested or whatever. But a lot of people like to hear the story, and he looked at it and he goes, oh, are you a Christian? I go, yeah, and he goes, uh, he goes, oh, uh, well you know, I already have a church. I go, oh, you know what? I started to grab it back. I said, we're not really trying to get anybody from other churches. We're looking for people who don't know the Lord. He goes, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. He goes, he goes do you need a church building? Now, our church had been praying for a church building. We were very much like you guys. Uh, we were hoping for a real building. We were meeting in a school at that time. And so this, uh, so this uh, fertilizer salesman at the, you know, local hardware store says to me, well, I go to a church, and our pastor just announced last Sunday that we're going to, we're going to sell our church. We're, we're building another one, and he says, so he, said, he began to say, watch, because maybe the Lord has someone we're supposed to, to sell our building to. And so, uh, he, so he said, let me write down my pastor's number. He writes it down, and so eventually I, I called the pastor, and uh, they ended up renting us the building for a year. And then a year later, we ended up uh, putting down a down payment, buying the building. I was back at that church last fall uh, for its 25th uh, anniversary of, of the planting. And they're still in that facility and uh, all over the community. And, and anyway, uh, it all came from handing out a card or handing out a little thing. You know, so who knows what kind of pregnant sort of release God has. Uh, I mean, God is a miracle God, isn't he? And uh, one thing about him, uh, I I, um, I almost brought a, my hose from my backyard because, uh, you know, I, we have this hose in the backyard. We, my wife, gardens. I'll get her up in a minute so that somebody can win the bet. But anyway, um, we have this we have this garden. She's a great gardener, so you, you know she's like Christ, you know, or like. You know, God's the gardener, you know, he prunes the trees, we love that part, don't we, that we get pruned, and, uh, <laughs> but she does a lot of amazing things, and, and I help when I can, but anyway, we have this huge hose in the backyard, on one end of it, there is a, uh, you know, a sprayer, and on the other end, we have this little on-off thing, because um, we, we also use the water to uh, cool the back porch, you know, we got one of those little sprayer things, and so uh, one thing about it is if you get up to water and you can turn on the water on the, on the outgoing end, but if, there, if it's not turned on on the inflowing end, there's no water coming out, right? Uh, on the other hand, uh, if, if, if I turn on the water in the back end but I don't start uh, on the inflow end, but I don't have any on the outflow end, then there's no water going out either, right? So we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but it's important that we, are both, we both intake and we outflow, right? So today we're going to talk about being carriers of Christ. And that's the thing about Christ. We ask him, how many of y'all have asked Jesus into your heart? So he's come into your life. How many of you have Jesus on the inside? All right. So you are a carrier of Christ, right? He's in you. But there is also this thing that if we're not giving out then it's like uh, there's no real flow of the life of God. There's no real flow of the power of God. There's no real flow. So even though we've said, Jesus, come into my life, it's just sitting in the hose. And you've got to unleak the other side and, and give out to bring life. So when, when my wife is out there watering, she's bringing life out there to the garden. And we've got these amazing tomatoes this year. And we've got uh, uh, Friday night we had a family over. And we had these apple fritters Uh, From our apple tree I just pulled the apples off that day. We have oranges so every morning we have orange Pretty much we can have orange juice every morning of the year. We have fresh oranges always We have a couple orange trees. We got persimmon trees and we've got all so there's just all this life that flows out of our backyard But we we stopped watering last year because of the drought And so we closed off that hose and we didn't we didn't run the hose and we didn't run the sprinklers And we thought you know what we're going to try to protect for the drought and uh, we we had a um pomelo tree, and it is now our uh, source for firewood uh, because the pomelo tree did not make it because it wasn't getting enough water. So then this year, we, you know, they, they've released the, the requirements a little bit. Plus, we said, we don't want to lose our orange trees and our, and our pear tree, our apple tree, and all this fruit, and if we don't unleash that hose and let things out, there will be no fruit. The fruit will dry up or die or never come. And so we've got to have the water flowing in. If I don't pay my water bill, nothing's gonna be flowing in. You know, and I and all that fruit will die. Uh, if I but if I don't unleash it, it dies as well. And so you are that hose. You're uh some of you look at one another, you can say, I knew you were a hose. And uh <laughs> that's, not a, that's a bad joke, isn't it? Yeah, okay. all yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are meant to be carriers of the, of the kingdom. Uh, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter uh, 8, chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9. Uh, years ago, I, um, uh, when I was planting that church, Uh, We we were doing we did a similar sort of thing where we were really trying to get out in the community We had this group we called them the nuclear team It was the nuclear we we called it the nuclear group because they were the kind of the nucleus of the church Uh, So we're gonna have our first Service and so we were asking kind of like what you guys are doing next week We're gonna have a dinner, you know meal and we we did the same thing We're gonna have a meal and so uh, it was gonna be our first public service as a new church And so we asked people to invite Everybody they knew, you know, just anybody you know that doesn't have a church, get them here. You know, the kingdom, we want to bring the kingdom to them. So there was this one lady named Jean Bonhoff that got invited, and uh, so on that very first service, uh, I was sharing uh, from Matthew, in fact, preaching, this was 25 years ago, almost 26 years ago now, first Sunday in October, and... <clears throat> And I gave uh, this altar call, and someone who had invited so- Jean, um, when I gave the altar call, Jean lifted her hand and said, I want to receive Christ. Okay, so I'm still friends with Jean Bonhoff on Facebook, and Jean Bonhoff has gone all over the world as a missionary. She's done all kinds of great stuff for God. But I remember the Sunday that she came to Christ because someone had handed her, uh, we had cards, it handed her a card of invitation to our our first public service as a church, and uh, Jean came to the Lord. I, I, I tell that story because I want to s- say one more thing about Jean. Uh, this morning we were we were uh, driving over here and and Mindy had got up and got for a gone for a bicycle ride this morning. We we're both avid bicyclists, and she did a twenty something mile ride this morning, and she said, I came by this one house that we always drive by on first street uh, over in Laverne, and she said, she said, man, there, was, uh, there were police cars there the first time I went by. And she said, when I came back by, there was a coroner. And so, uh, you know, we don't really know what happened there yet, but we know something's happening, right? We know when there's a coroner at the house and police cars, we don't know whether there was a murder, we don't know whether there was a break-in, we don't know whether it was a f- domestic thing that happened, we don't know whether somebody was ill uh, but how many of you know, by the way, that particular street has two brand new homes. Every other home there is, is really old, but they had uh, scraped a couple of the lots and put these two new homes there. It was, the, it was at the two new homes where this, where this was happening. How many of you know sometimes it looks really good on the outside? But there are a lot of needs in this world, aren't there? There are people that are hurting, uh, people that are, don't know how to have a healthy marriage, uh, people that don't know how to raise their children or deal with uh, mental illness or whatever other kinds of things they're facing. Uh, obviously there's there's the problems of racism, there's the problems of of uh, uh, you know, how many of you know someone who has a need? All right, How many of you in here have a need? You have someplace Jesus needs to work in your life, okay? Right. That's why we need the kingdom, because there's always this clash of kingdoms, the kingdom of God that brings healing and wholeness and truth and deliverance and reconciliation and peace and joy and love. And it's always clashing with a kingdom that brings slander and bitterness and hatred and control and, uh, you know, power struggles and, and all the things that Satan is always doing to bring destruction. And then God's trying to bring the countering influence of his kingdom at all times. Well, I remember Gene Bonhoff, you know, came to the Lord that first Sunday as a church. Now, I'm a young guy. Uh, I mean, obviously, if it was 26 years ago, I was like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> not really, <laughs> I turned 60 next year, so uh, I was, I think I was 33, I, I believe I was about 33 or, or 34 maybe about this time, and um, when I had planted that church, and so, uh, but I had never been a senior pastor before, okay, I'd been a youth pastor and a children's pastor, and you know, I'd come through the ranks of, you know, how you do ministry, and so Jean calls me one morning about three weeks after she comes to the Lord. So I'm a brand new pastor. I'm three weeks into planting this new church. I'm way in over my head. I, am, I have no idea what I'm doing. I am just hanging on by my fingernails as a young pastor, just hoping that this thing kind of holds together and survives and, you know, and just Jesus, 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 you know. But the good news was I knew that I was a carrier of the kingdom. I knew that Jesus had asked me to plant this church and that even though I had no clue what I was doing and had not grown up in the church and needed so much more education, equipping, help, uh, and was just way in over my head, I knew who could walk on the water, okay? So Jean calls me one Saturday morning. She says, Pastor, which I was still getting used to that term. uh, She said, "I I need you to come over. I said, "What's going on, Jean?" You know, and I, like I said, met her about three weeks before when she came to Christ. She said, "Well, I woke up this morning and I live with my mom, and my mom is dead." I said, "Okay." I'm, I'm, I'm looking for my pastor ministry support books and how am I supposed to care for someone? And, and so then I, I just thought to ask. I said, "Well, uh, what happened?" She said, "Well." I woke up a few minutes ago, and I went into her room, and she was dead. And so she felt like, she said, I, I knew I should call you first. I'm thinking, oh, great. I have no idea what's okay. I said, so you haven't called a coroner, you haven't called any uh, 911? No, are you sure she's dead? Yeah, I'm sure she's dead, 100%. I said, okay, I'll be right over. We'll figure it out from there. So I'm jumping in my car. I'll never forget Driving over to Jean's house, I'm saying, thank you, Jesus, that I asked you into my life, that you are inside of me right now. You know everything Jean needs. You know exactly what to do. You are the pastor. I'm the under-shepherd, but you're the shepherd. You know how to care for Jean. You know, I mean, here she is, a brand-new believer. I don't even know, you know, i I think she's really a believer, I mean, at that point, you know, and I'm on my way, driving to her house, thinking, you know, and I've got my little ministry book, and I'm flipping through it, thinking, okay, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? You know, how do you do funerals and all that? You know, what's, you know, what's the story here? Does Jesus ever get you into something where you really don't really know how to do it? It's a fun adventure. It is an adventure in faith. And here's the cool thing. He loves lost people so much. He loves broken people so much. He loves people who have just lost their, their mom or their dad. He loves people that are, are, are struggling with some tr- challenge with their children. He loves them so much that even if you're way underwater in knowing how to help them, uh, it's crazy how sometimes we'll have faith for him to help someone else. Here's the good news. If we open up that hose and we start spraying the life of God somewhere else, the life of God flows into us. It opens up. It's like uh, in the you know in, in Israel. Any of y'all see the little advertisement that was made for today's speaking? Uh, there was a little picture of Mindy and I, and that picture was taken in front of the synagogue in Capernaum. And uh, so uh, it's, it's amazing how God just, opens up the spigot of life Uh, right there is at Capernaum it's on the the um, uh, Sea of Galilee Sea of Galilee is teeming with life I mean you can literally look down in it and see the fish swimming water flows into the Sea of Galilee anybody know this it's up at the northern part of Israel that flows down through what do anybody know It flows down through the Jordan River, you know, where Jesus was baptized and where uh, John did baptisms, where Jesus did, you know. So it flows down there, and it it flows into what? Anybody know? The Dead Sea. Why is it called the Dead Sea? Why is it the Dead Sea? Yeah, and why is it dead? Because it's getting all this life-giving water flowing into it. I mean, it is receiving the water. It is receiving, receiving, receiving every day the water. But why is it filled with death and brings no life? Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. Nothing. I mean, in fact, they warn you: don't take your children. It can, it can hurt your children. It's so. I mean, it's so uh, filled with minerals that it's dangerous if you get any of it in your mouth. And so you can you get into it, and you're walking out, and all of a sudden you just float up because it's so full of salt. But it's filled with death. There's no life there even though it's getting life-giving water every day. Why? Because there is no outflow. And with no outflow, there's no life there. So the, the, the Jordan gets the exact same water. Flow, water flows in, water flows out, filled with life all around there. It's interesting that that's where Jesus would choose to do two-thirds of his ministry, right around the Sea of Galilee. That's where he walked on the water. That's where he you know, called his disciples, And we're about to get to to that portion. But he knew there were so many needs. Uh, I love that he painted a picture in his own, uh, you know, land (laughs) that we go back to, that we all point back to. Uh, We were there in March. That's when that picture was taken. And um, if life is flowing in, and life is flowing out, then the Sea of Galilee teems with life. If life is flowing in, But no life is flowing out, it becomes dead. So what the pastor is asking you guys to do is to be life givers, to just turn the hose on. And go, I have no idea where these things, I have no idea where this car is going. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. You know, maybe I'll give it to some fertilizer salesman and we'll get a new building. Oh, wait, you already got that. Okay. So maybe, uh, by the way, you guys have done a great job with this building. Uh, We were here uh, a couple of months ago as you guys were taking possession of it. It's amazing. All the beautiful, what you guys have done is amazing. Well done. Uh, But... Who knows when you give those cards out what's going to happen? Maybe it's a Jean Bonhoff. She comes and uh, Jean went on to, she's gone all over the world and uh, worked with this thing called The Man Called Jesus. It's a play that's been taken all over the world, and she's been very involved in, in taking that play all over the world. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35, Jesus was going all about the cities and the villages, mostly around uh, the Sea of Galilee, this life-giving place, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of what? The kingdom. kingdom. That means the place where God rules. The place where God rules. That's the kingdom. So every time we let him rule, the kingdom is coming upon us. If we've accepted him as Lord, the kingdom has come inside of us. The kingdom brings with it everything that the king has. We're, we're a, a, we, we, are, we take the king's power with us. We're on assignment from him. So he went about teaching the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness so we know what he can do. And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them. Everybody say compassion. I'm reading the New American Standard, by the way. Uh, Because they were, uh, and I'm reading that because there was a couple of ways that something's worded here that I want to point out. But it'll be in yours as well, whatever version you may be reading. Uh, But I I like especially the wording of this one verse. Um, He said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. My thought is, Jesus, you're God. Just take care of it. It's like the way my kids think about, you know, when supper needs to get done or the dishes need to, you know, they're like, "Your dad, just take care of it." <laughs> but I'm thinking, no, I need, I need workers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a need. I need to multiply workers. And I love that Jesus, even though he's God, I mean, he's the maker of the universe. He's the one that holds it all together. And yet, at this moment, he says, what we need to do is ask the Lord to send laborers. Well, none of them are going to be as good as you, Jesus. None of them are going to know as much as you. None of them are going to be able to heal as good as you heal. None of them are going to have all the wisdom that you have. They're all going to do it wrong. You know, I remember one place, uh, the disciples run across somebody who's preaching Jesus and they're not doing it right you remember this and so Peter and John they uh they said Jesus we saw this guy and he was like healing and he was preaching and and he wasn't doing it right so we told him to stop he wasn't one of us and Jesus said if you're not against me you know you're for me if he's if he you know he's all right let him go don't stop him How many of you know the Lord has tremendous grace for not doing it just right? (laughs) We live in grace. In fact, somehow, our inability, Paul later says, you know, I'd rather preach about my inability, because somehow in that, his grace is revealed. And so even those ways, you know, as this young pastor's driving over to Gene Bonhoff's house, and I don't know what the heck I'm doing, and I don't know what I'm supposed to say, I'm just trusting that somehow Jesus will somehow work through my fumbling uh, attempt to love and care for her, and will do something good and advance his kingdom, and the crazy thing is he does. He did. I don't know that I've had any more fruitful moments uh, in caring for a bereaved person in my entire life than I had right there when I knew the very least. And I'm having to sort of look at the book and try to find the answers. And, you know, I'm calling. I called this one pastor friend on the way over. Okay, okay, I got this call this morning. And this is my first. I've never done one of these before. Okay, so, what you know, uh, what should I be, you know, and I'm, he's like, okay, Pat, it's going to be okay. Here we go. And he's kind of, <laughs> so the Lord had the answers. The workers are, need, are, are few. Ask the Lord of harvest, send workers into the harvest. He already knows they're not going to be as trained as he is. They're not going to be as skilled as him. They're not going to be as holy as him. Hello? Right? Which worker of Jesus ever was <laughs> as holy as he was? I mean, you know, one minute he's saying, Peter... Upon your faith, I'm going to build my church. And just one second later, he says, Get thee behind me, Satan. Wait, I thought I was the rock. You're going to build the church on me. Oh, now I'm Satan? I mean, you know. He's like, right. Well, you got some things right. you got some things wrong. We're going to you know, work on this. We'll keep working. So it didn't change the fact that Peter was useful and effective and could make a difference even while he was in, uh, not perfect. Isn't that good news? I wouldn't be standing here. I mean, I'm not perfect to this day. (laughs) I looked at my wife at that moment. Just you saw her nodding very deeply, yes. Having summoned his twelve disciples, he gave them authority. He is such a gracious God. These are the disciples at the beginning. This is really early. This is before Peter hasn't wept bitterly and you know gone out and repented and you know he hasn't yet denied the Lord and all that. He's <laughs> but the Lord's already handing authority off to him. going, okay, here you got authority. Go do this, and he says uh, you've got authority over unclean spirits. Cast them out. Heal every kind of disease, every sickness. And the names of the twelve apostles were, and he, and he gives you the names there. And then, uh, verse 5, the twelve Jesus sent out, uh, instructed them, saying, Do not go in the way of the the Gentiles. Do not enter any city of the Samaritans. So he was giving them some very specific assignments. He said, okay, I've got these cards. You need to give out five every... No, I mean, it wasn't that exactly, but, you know... the assignment can change from day to day, and we see that that happened over and over with the disciples. He gives them different assignments. In fact, in this one, he says, don't take any tunics or anything, w- or don't take any, uh, any wealth or anything with you. You know, Don't take uh, provision. You know, you're going to have to trust the provision to come in the village that you're going to. And there was a reason for that. Because if you had to rely on someone, it created a connection right away in those villages. But later, Jesus sends out the same disciples and says, take your money bag with you, take your sword with you, take, you know. And so, like, different instructions, different moments. But Jesus has a, a word for this church right now. He's given an assignment right now. And there's, there's stuff, like, there's, there's all kinds of pregnant, powerful amazing stories that are about to happen. If we'll just embrace it, I'm telling you, I've been there too many times. And so, anyway, he says, don't go, in this case, he's telling them, don't go in the uh, the way the Gentiles, do not enter in the city of Samaritans. Later, he sends Paul to the Gentiles, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Rather, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, everybody say, "as as you go. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. They're like, okay, all right. Did we have a class on this? I don't remember that one. So uh, freely, this is the part I I use the New American Standard because I like the version a little bit better here. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. That's that hose, isn't it? Freely you're receiving, from the pow- the you know the, the liquid of life that's flowing in. Jesus later said uh, on the on the day of the great feast, he said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. He said, You will receive the Lord, and then out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. There's the inflow of Jesus, and then the outflow of rivers of living water that change people's lives everywhere you go. But we have to we have to sort of open our mouth and let Him fill it. We have to we have to sort of turn that spigot on and bring life-giving things everywhere we go. He says, as you go, as you go, cast out demons. I don't know if I know how to do that, but okay, you know, let me pray. <laughs> so I remember one time uh, I lived in this apartment, and it, and it caught on fire. And I, and, and so uh, everybody had to leave out of the apartment, and then they were wheeling this guy out of the apartment, and he was dead. And I went over and said, and I mean, there's like hundreds of people watching, you know, and I was only in my 20s at that time, and I said, I said, I didn't know how to do this, but I'm thinking, okay, when am I ever going to get the chance to raise the dead, okay, so I'm going to give it a try, so I went over and I said to the, I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, I said, can I pray for this, can I pray over, this?" And they go, like, he's dead, I go, I know, just let me do a quick prayer, and they go, Okay, and the guys are like rolling their eyes or whatever, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you, come back right now in Jesus' name. Come alive, you know, I pray, and I'm like, and all the people were looking at me, you know, and, and this is about three in the morning, because the fire was in the night, he, he'd, he'd fallen asleep smoking a cigarette and caught his apartment on fire and had died. Okay, so I pray over him, I command his spirit to come back, I command him to live in Jesus' name. Eventually, they wheel him away, and I'm kind of going... Okay, that didn't work out so well, but you know, (laughs) and people were going, "It's okay, it's okay, it'll be okay." It'll be you know they were all trying to comfort me, you know, and here's what I didn't know: I didn't know till the next day that guy was that that guy was the he didn't he didn't ever come back to life, but that guy was the brother that he's with the Lord, and that that guy was the brother. Of somebody in my church that I loved and knew, and when I found out the next day, I was able to say, "I prayed over him. I commanded him to die I did everything I knew to raise him back from the life." And it was so comforting to them to know that that had happened. I didn't care that I looked like a fool. I was. To this day, I'm thankful. I always say, "Lord, give me a few more chances. Maybe I don't. You know, just you know." So we have to, we don't know, freely receive, freely give. Jesus gave me life, I tried to give it away. Uh, I have seen many people come back and be healed. I've seen people uh, changed. I've seen people delivered. Not every time I pray, that part's not my part. As I go, I just, freely I receive, freely I give as much as I've got. Amen? The disciples didn't do it all perfect either. By the way, we see that we later see they're like, you know they still are not getting it right always. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts. This is the time he's telling them don't take anything with you uh, for your journey. Even two tunics. The workers worthy of support. Now this was a strategic uh, thing the Lord was doing as he strategic assignment for them at this moment. Whatever city or village you enter, inquire who's worthy and abide there till you go away. So you go to the village, and you're looking for who will take you in. Now, this is a life of hospitality in those days. When somebody opened their, there wasn't hotels. You didn't call in and, you know, make a reservation very often. You know, there were a few inns and those kind of things, but mostly it was Airbnb. And so you, uh, you know, you just found, okay, who's willing to open their home and let me stay there? And you couldn't do it online, but you just did it when you got there. Who's got the Airbnbs in town? And uh, who'll take me in. So uh, and then if they if you enter the house, give it your greeting. It meant a greeting of a blessing, you know, proclaim blessing on that house because they've received you. If the house is worthy, let your greeting of peace be upon it. And if it's not worthy, let your greeting of peace return to you. Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of the house, just shake the dust off your feet. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. He's basically saying, people who receive you, the kingdom will come. So you're like this hose, and you walk into their house, and you're going to spray the kingdom all over the place. And you're going to leave peace and blessing and good things. And if they don't receive it, don't worry about it. Just, you know, take it and just shake the dust off. Go find somebody where the hose, go find the plants where you can put some life. Go feed the places that can grow. Go find the needs that are willing to receive at this moment. Don't worry about the ones that won't. He tells another place that when you uh, plant the seed of the word, you know, only about one out of four really uh, bears fruit. Uh, one other place, you know, he heals the ten, but only one out of ten, you know, is it really gets it and is thankful. And so somewhere between one out of four, one out of ten, you know, you're going to have nine out of ten that, you know, it just doesn't connect for whatever reason. They're not ready to receive the the life. But think about if we miss that one, because we're not willing to kind of plow through the nine. Amen? So we just have to be life-giving, life-giving, everywhere we go. And that's what Jesus was teaching them. I want to talk about a couple of principles here, and then we're going to go to one other place in Scripture to uh, sort of unpack it a little bit further. Um, the first thing is the kingdom. I've, I've mentioned that as we were going through. You've got some notes. Everybody have these notes? Here's a place that kind of help you remember some of, the, uh, some of the key facts out of this story. So the kingdom means that it's any place that Jesus reigns. It doesn't mean any place that you have it all together. I've been making that point all along, but you don't have to feel like I have to have it together. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into situations. uh, I did it just even today for preaching. I I didn't think of it until just now, but when we were worshiping, I had this thing that goes way, way back to like the very first time I ever preached. And I remember uh, I was in the bathroom at the place I was going to preach, and I heard the Lord say, get down on your knees. And I'm so okay, I'm in the, you know, I'm in the, (laughs) you know, Stall yeah, so I got down in the stall and I'm thinking I wonder if that looks funny on the outside anybody's seeing that you know so And then the Lord said just give me your hand And so I I held my hand up and I felt like a little boy getting ready to go down a dark alley That didn't know uh, what was gonna happen But all I knew that if I had my father's hand at that moment on that dark alley I didn't have to worry if I had my father's hand. It's okay because I don't know how to handle this, but he knows how to handle this. And so I, I reached up, and he said, okay, I got your hand. I'm taking you into this service, and I'm going to preach through you. And so uh, many times the Lord will remind me of that. So I was over here worshiping, and I had my hand out, and the Lord said, I've got your hand. And I went, oh, thank you, Lord. Yes, yes. So the parts that are good are from him. Some of mine are still, you know, still not perfect, but that's all right. He's got my hand. He's bringing something to this church today. He's bringing something to your soul today that he has for you. He grabbed my hand over here and said, I got this. I'm trying to do something in Covina Church. I'm trying to do something in this community. And if you'll just get up there and give it your best, I will do what I'm trying to do. All right, so here's the good news. That happens when you're preaching, but it happens whatever you're doing on your way into work. Man, if you're driving, just oh Lord, you're with me today. Gotta face the boss today about this or that, or I gotta do this, or I gotta, you know, and just knowing, okay, Lord, I'm gonna hand one of these cards out. Just reach up and kind of go, okay, Father, here we go. You said you'd build your church. Gates of hell can't prevail against it. I'm just going to, you know, just going to try to spray the hose a bit here, Lord, and see what happens, throw some life out there and see what happens. And uh, you don't have to, all of a sudden they ask you some tough question, you're like, hold on just a minute. Okay, here's what I would say, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I mean, literally, you can have that internal conversation knowing that something supernatural is going on that's beyond you. He loves lost people, broken people, hurting people, especially anyone that's outside the kingdom so far, because this is all about gathering a people together in heaven someday that are fully his. And so this is the, I mean, he wants to get us through this life, but this life is just the process through which he can give people free will choices to choose him. And so he is desperately trying to flow through you all the time to give free will choices. And he'll do miracles in your life, not because, I mean, you know, for me to live as Christ, die as gain. I mean, uh, yeah, the Lord will heal me because, uh, you know, but really to be with him will even be better someday if I'm not healed. But he will heal me so that he can show other people that he'll heal, that he has power, that his kingdom is real and true. And so he does do the miraculous a lot uh, when we're involved in reaching out who goes any of y'all ever been on a mission trip right okay so when you go on a mission trip it's crazy how much cool stuff happens and you come back going man why don't we do that back in America you know and but part of it is we we're prayed up and we're going for the sake of evangelism we're going for the sake of, of t- touching a people who don't know him and somehow the kingdom of God just is always resonating there so if we'll do this the kingdom's with us. It flows out of compassion. So we've got to ask the Lord, give me compassion. Give me compassion for who you'd have me to have compassion for. I remember one day I was asking the Lord, Lord, I want a group of people I can pray over on a regular basis. Who should I have compassion for? And the Lord one day said, uh, I was writing down names, and the Lord said, Bill Gates. Like, the world's richest man? You want me to have compassion on him? Yes. Okay. Wrote his name down. I thought, okay, when I'm praying for my neighbors and I'm praying for my kids' friends and I'm praying for, I'll just pray for Bill Gates each day as well. Now, at that time, he was the world's richest man. Wasn't giving any of his money away. Wasn't, didn't know the Lord. Not long after, a guy came to my church named Henry Fisher. Started attending my church. I'm visiting with Henry one day, and I, I mentioned, we we're talking about prayer or something, and I mentioned that I prayed for Bill Gates. He goes, oh, I know Bill. You know Bill Gates? Yeah, he goes, we went to school together in high school. I said, no way. He goes, oh, yeah. He said, we were not exactly the same grade, but we used to hang out and do stuff. And my, you know, This guy's dad had, been a, had won a Nobel Prize, uh, Henry's dad had. And so they went to this exclusive school where Gates went. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, uh, I said, and I pray for him every day. He goes, oh, he said, you know, I've actually uh, reached out to him before, but I'll reach out to him again you know, for, with the gospel. Well, I don't know if Bill's ever come to the Lord. I did find out he memorized the, the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. It has had an influence on his life. His wife's a believer. Uh, he has baptized his children as Christians. And, he, and he's giving away $90 billion to help the poor to, to stop diseases all over the world. And so whether he's actually become a believer or not, the kingdom is kind of pressing through his life. Amen? And all of that was happening. I had no idea why Jesus said pray for him. Thank God. Amen? So... Compassion, that just flowed out of compassion, flowed into prayer. You see that little list below, very important people? It should say one, two, three. Some of these came out four, five, six. I didn't realize when I copy, copied, copied it copied over to the second side of the page, word uh, duplicated those numbers and went up. <laughs> so anyway, say should say number one, Jews, number two, God-fearing Greeks, number three, Marketplace. That'll make more sense in just a second. Can I go about an extra five minutes or so? Is that all right? Are you guys with me? Okay. Okay. Um, So as you go, you are called, and Jesus has very specific people and situations in your life that are different than anybody else. And so you can't just rely on someone else. We never know how those are. A a couple of uh, years ago, Mindy was at the gym early in the morning. She woke up like at 4 in the morning, couldn't sleep. She said, I guess I should go work out. Can't sleep, tossing, and turning, and tossing, and turning, you know. I mean, this would never happen with me, but it happened with her at 4 a.m. Um, I don't wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> I'm not a morning person, but she is. So she goes to the gym. She's working out next to this. She takes her Bible. So she's reading her Bible. She's, she's taking in the Word in that hose, you know. The flow, it's flowing in. The life's flowing in. How many of you all have some sort of devotional life where stuff's flowing into you about God? Yeah, you're listening to tapes, you're watching podcasts, listen to podcasts. I mean, you're watching YouTubes, you're watching your pastor's sermons, you're, you're coming to church. You're doing stuff that's feeding you. You're studying it, you Version or something. You've got something that's pouring in life into you. So she's doing that. Next to her is this Chinese student or Chinese person who's uh, on the stair stepper. And the Lord says to Mindy, give her your Bible." Now, this Bible was one of those that's marked up from cover to cover. No. (laughs) It's like, no. (laughs) Freely you received, freely give. Finally, she starts a conversation with the lady. She goes, I should probably have you tell it. I think I'm supposed to give you my Bible. Anyway, she gives her the Bible. She writes her name, phone number, everything in the front of the Bible. That was three years ago. One year ago. This time about a year ago. Phone rings. Are you the lady that gave me the Bible? This is two years after she gave me the Bible. Are you the lady that gave me the Bible at LA Fitness? Yes. Well, I want to become a Christian. Can we meet? This really happened. So this time last year, we baptized her in, the, in, a, in a backyard pool and uh, we've not done the best job of discipling her. We're still reaching out. We're still, I mean, she's, I, I think she's more than the one out of ten. You know, she's, she's probably, I don't know yet how fruitful she's going to be. But she comes by. She was by our house about three weeks ago. And we continue to just pour life into her and, and pray for her. And her, her life in God seems very genuine and real, although it's, it's not all that we would want it to be yet. But she's only a year in. So we're just trusting the Lord to keep growing her. Who knows what can happen? Amen. All right, so there's a sense of calling. You're called to specific people. You've got to be listening to the Holy Spirit. As you go, you may be at LA Fitness. The Lord does stuff. You, freely you're receiving. You just freely give it away, give it away, give it away. You look for the person of peace. Uh, last story I'm going to tell you. So uh, we, we asked our church, uh, the one in Virginia one time, to do something similar to what your pastors asked. And so uh, one of the ladies gave to her Avon lady, her Avon's lady's name was um, Anne. And she gave to Ann uh, uh, an invitation. Anne starts a conversation. Anne ends up receiving Christ. So Ann starts coming to our church, and Anne is praying for her husband, Dave. Her name's Ann Thompson. Dave Thompson's her husband. She, she says, I don't know, Dave will never come to the Lord. You know, she said he had drug and alcohol background. He was abused. He, he was in the Navy. You know, he was very Navy, you know, and so uh, we couldn't get him to come to anything, but we all started praying. Before long, she had almost the entire church praying for Dave, you know, because Ann's like flourishing in the Lord. And so I remember one Labor Day, I'm cooking, uh, we were doing an outreach, and I got Dave, and Dave finally came. It was the first time he ever came to anything. He came to this cookout at a park. And so I said, Dave, I need you to help me cook burgers, man. Can you do that? Oh, yeah. So, we, so all day long, we're cooking burgers next to one another. He is asking me the weirdest questions. He has no faith whatsoever. I mean, he's telling me how Muslims and atheists, and you know, I mean, he's got the wackiest theology you've ever heard, and I'm just like going, oh, Lord, okay. Father, help. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm, I'm in deep water here, man. I'm supposed to be the pastor, and I don't know what the heck to say to Dave. This is not working, you know. So anyway, we just kept trying, you know, and just loving Dave. And, and uh, then Christmas Eve, he, he never came back to church. He never came to church at all other than this park event. But Christmas Eve that year was uh, on a on a, on a um, Saturday night, and we decided not to have Sunday morning service. We had Saturday night service, and so we had this group, and and I looked out and I and I give a gospel message, and I said, "Does anybody want to receive Christ?" And the first hand that went up, he was sitting right where you are, about four three or four pews back, and his hand goes, and he looks me right in the eye, and then right next to him, his daughter, she's uh, like about maybe 12 or 13, she raises her hand. I'm looking, and they're looking at each other, and they both got their hands up. And I'm starting to weep, man, because we've been praying for, for him for a long time. And, uh, and there were, that night, there were like seven people that came to Christ. And so, but I remember Dave and his daughter the most. I don't remember any of the rest of them. And they received Christ. Dave was in the Navy, so he goes out. He comes to me. Uh, I didn't see him for two weeks uh, because he went out on a little two-week out tour on, his, on the boat. He came back, though, and he said, I need to make an appointment with you. And can I, I'm going to just quote him. It may be a little colorful. Uh, pastor didn't look too afraid yet. So uh, so Dave comes to my office. He said, Pastor, he said, while I was out for two weeks, I read the New Testament. Okay, he's now ahead of about most of the people in my church. So <laughs> I said, okay, Dave. He goes, well, he says, I, I have some questions. He says, he says, and this is, I'm just quoting Dave. Dave said, there is a lot of shit in here that's different than the shit I see in the church. <laughs> that is a Bible word, by the way. And so, it used in the right context. It's okay. It's just a rude word, kind of, you know, but that's, he was a Navy guy. That's what he used. So, I said, so I said, Dave, I am putting you on shit patrol. I said, it is your job to find everything that's different from the word, from what we're doing. Well, to this, Dave is now, even now, we're friends on Facebook all these years later. Dave and Ann are, he's a, he's a church council member at a four-square church up in Whidbey Island, um, uh, Washington, and, you know, walking with the Lord, and, and he, and by the way, he went out on a six-month tour after that. read the Read the entire Bible twice during that time. He came back, so he'd only been a believer about nine months at that point, or maybe eight months. And he was definitely way ahead of every believer in my church. In fact, I was thinking about resigning and making him pastor. He was, you know, unbelievably fast-growing once he finally came to Christ. So, um, anyway, who knows what God has in mind for you guys? Here's my last word to you. The picture that's there is uh, in March when we were in Israel. My wife and I went, and we took some of our kids. And uh, we, we, all, we went to Athens, Greece, on the way. And that's in Athens, Greece. That picture is on Mars Hill. Have you never heard of Mars Hill? Okay. So Mars Hill was a place that Paul, in Acts 17, 17, Paul uh, goes to preach. And uh, he goes, he's waiting for some people to come. So, by the way, Greece was so awful at that point. Just a little ways from there is Corinth. We went to Corinth as well, where Paul was put on trial. I stood on the Bema place where Paul was on trial. But you can see from there this this mountain. And up there, there were 1,000 prostitutes working every day up on that mountain. 1,000. Many of them male prostitutes as well as female prostitutes. And so he's living in a land that's just as needy as our land, let me just say, okay? Basically Vegas, okay? So he was... (laughs) or worse, I don't know, New Orleans, Vegas, all added together, and um, so Paul's in a very dark place, so what does he do, every town he goes to, he has a, he, this is what he does, he goes to the Jews first, then the Greeks, and the uh, God, uh, then the, just the marketplace, whoever's there, so uh, I gave you a place there to write a list, you need to begin to think about, who do you know that are the most likely to come to Christ, the Jews were looking for a Messiah, so Jesus would, I mean, so Paul would preach to them first, Acts 17, 17, he would go to them first because he would think, okay, uh, maybe they're Christians that have fallen away from the church. Those people already believe in Christ. They just need some love. They need some care. They need some repair. Who do you know like that? Maybe write down a few names there. That's your Jews. Your, your Christians that are fallen away from church, are disconnected, just don't have a place right now. Uh, jot down some of those names. Uh, anything God brings to mind. If you have a pen, go ahead and jot those down now. If God brings anybody to mind, the second area is the is the the God fearing Greeks. Now they were waiting for Messiah as well, although they weren't Jewish. They didn't hold the whole Old Testament. You know, they weren't as as brought in, but they were interested Gentiles. They were Gentiles that were like looking into the Jewish way of life, and looking into the idea of a Messiah, so they're the next group out. So who would that be around here? That might be people that are uh, in the middle of some sort of hurt, some sort of brokenness, some sort of, they're, they're looking for God, they're like, man, they're probably praying prayers like, God, help me! Where are you? And they don't know God. They don't know Jesus. They don't know, but they just, they're, they're desperate in their own life right now. They have needs for some reason. And so they're, who are those people in your life that you know that are kind of desperate? Like I'm thinking of those people on First Street in Laverne uh, where the corner was this morning. Those are people that have got to be desperate right now. Whatever went on there, uh, they're probably desperate. So I need to put them on my prayer list. And then your, your, your marketplace is just the guy selling fertilizer. You know, uh, everybody, anybody and everybody anywhere at the, at the laundry or whatever. So, you might begin to jot down some names there. The marketplace is where my Bill Gates random name went. And uh, I'm thankful, I don't know if I had any part in him giving away his billions to, to, to bring good into the earth. But I'm glad he's doing it. Not every billionaire does. And he's inspired a lot of other billionaires to do the same. And so uh, I I am thankful that he ended up marrying, after I started praying for him, he ended up marrying someone who is a Christian. And so there's a Christian influence in his home. And I don't know how vibrant their life in Christ is, but I know at least there's been. And so I continue to pray for him. But maybe you have some that are farther away from you or closer. But if you'll begin to make that list, uh, God will begin to do amazing things. Uh, it does come from prayer. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest, send laborers. So their prayer is a crucial part of that. Does any of you have at least one name on your list that you think of right now? Even if you haven't written it down yet, you've got at least one name. All right, I want you to stand up where you are. And I know you have needs in your own life right now, but here's the thing. If you'll spray forth the kingdom through prayer right now, through intercession for others, go ahead and stand up where you are. Uh, if you'll pray, If you'll pray for someone else right now, Here's what God does. He meets your needs on the way. As the kingdom flows through you, you'll find that the kingdom will be to you as well. Amen? All right, so let's pray. Let's just pray out loud right where we are. Lord, right now, we just all begin to pray. Right now, Lord, we just want to begin to raise up that noise in this church. Right now, Lord, we begin to pray for the people on our list Right now, Lord, we pray for that neighbor, Lord. Right now, I pray for that person in Laverne. I pray, Lord, for that that family that Mindy saw this morning that she saw was in some sort of huge crisis. And we don't know what's going on there, but we ride our bicycle by that house every single day, Lord. And I've asked you many times to help me bring the kingdom to that street, but I've never figured out how. Lord, maybe this is the door. So, Lord, I, I just pray that I'd be able to do that. Are you lifting up yours right now? Grab someone next to you and share who it is, and then you pray for one another really quick. Just you can pray quietly. Just grab somebody and pray. One other person. Grab somebody right now. Everybody grab somebody. Turn around, find somebody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we have no idea what kind of... Lord, I see this church overflowing, having to go to two services. Lord, I know that they're already out there, Lord. Those people are out there in the highways and the byways that need desperately for the kingdom to come. There are many John bon, uh, Gene Bonhoeffs right now, Lord. There are many right now that are, that are uh, like Ann Tom, Thompson, Lord, uh, and Dave Thompson, There are Avon ladies. There are people, Lord God, right now that need the kingdom to flow into their life. Lord, I think about Chad. I think about Emma from China. Lord, there are people from other countries, other cultures. Lord, right now that this this church has an assignment and a calling to reach that no one else can really reach, Lord. Lord, uh, shake us up. Stir us up, Lord. Give us eyes to see what you're doing. Help us to find those people of peace, that person of peace that would in to open the door. All right, so what happens is um, I have a friend named Aaron. He's now a missionary in Jordan. And uh, when he was part of our church, uh, he got a vision to start going to this one little, uh, uh, as you guys just stand just for a moment, he, he got a vision to go to... Uh, this place called the Conversation Cafe, where, where international students try to pl- practice their English. And he asked whether he could go and help. They said, sure. And he met a guy named Chad from China, and they started visiting. So one day, Chad came to our church, and Chad said, uh, this was uh, our church in Laverne that we were doing, and he said, uh, Chad says, hey. Uh, he looked at me, and goes, I'm an atheist. I'm Buddhist, but I'm really atheist. I don't believe there's a God, but I'm Buddhist. That's my background, I'm from China. He says, is it okay if I'm here? And I said, sure. I said, you don't mind if we talk about Jesus, right? I said, because uh, that's why we're here. He goes, no, that's why I came. I want to f- hear more about him. So I said, okay. So anyway, Chad ended up coming to Christ. Uh, Chad's walking with the Lord. He's in China. And he's back in China now. But uh, through Chad, a whole bunch of other people came. There's Yilian and, and uh, I, I made a list, but I won't list them up. There's a bunch of these Chinese students from, uh, so Emma came a totally different way. But uh, from these University of Laverne, we continued to see one after another, and we even had a, a Muslim guy that began to come, uh, who was also met at the same conversation cafe, and he started coming. Uh, his name is Rehan, and so Rehan never came to Christ. But one day when I was sharing with Bre- uh, Chad about God, uh, Chad said. Well, I don't know if I can believe you know, in God. It seems more like there's evolution and all that. And, and Rahan, who's Muslim, goes, Oh, no, no, there has to be a creator. And he begins to lay out all the, you know. So, and Rahan helped me to lead Chad to the Lord, even though Rahan still hasn't come to the Lord. So who knows? It's messy, you know. We don't have to have all the answers, but Jesus is up to stuff. How many of y'all are excited to be part of this adventure? I am so excited to be
0: part of it. I'm glad I got to be here today. Amen. Thank you, Pat, so much. And, you know, I always say that you should at least take two things with you after you've heard a message. And one of them I'll remember is, I'm not going to go in the, in the stool, but yeah. lift your hand up and receive help from the Lord. Amen. And the second thing is, sometimes it's not immediate. It takes time. And we just have to be patient. You know, it may be a year or two years. Yeah. In the program, they said uh, people don't come right away, but over a year's time will double our church. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you're empowering us, even as Pat has spoken, to go out and spread the gospel, spread the good news, be a light to the Gentiles. So we ask you for that empowerment. In Jesus' name, Lord, let your face shine upon us. Let uh, let us bless us with your peace and your rest. All the days of our life, we receive it now. In Jesus' name, and all agreed said, amen. God bless you.